brought to you by Charity Mobile, the phone company that shares your values. More information is available at CharityMobile.com. Modernism is the synthesis of all heresies, a formally defined heresy as done so by Pope St. Pius X in his 1907 encyclical Pascendi Dominici Gregis. That encyclical was written to respond and condemn the errors of a very specific person who we will be talking about today. Pius X's predecessor is going back at least to Gregory XVI. In the early part of the 19th century combated the early kinds of modernism, but the error itself became a force to be reckoned with in the church in the late 19th century and into our time. Its roots go back into the so-called Reformation, but there is a godfather of modernism, a progenitor of the modern era whose work was deeply influential and would begin a process leading to Vatican II and beyond and into our times in the rise of Francis, the St. Gallen group, the pastor Jimmy Martins of the church, all the rest of them. That godfather is not Teilhard de Chardin, but one of the men whose work deeply influenced him, Father Alfred Loisy, a Jesuit priest who promoted some errors that are now all too familiar to us. Let's get to know the man and his work. Our focus today is on the man who became the sort of alpha point or starting point of modernism in the Catholic Church. Who invented modernism is really anyone's guess, but he was the titanic figure of the movement. The man whose influence led directly to Teilhard de Chardin, and again, that man is Father Alfred Loisy, a French Jesuit priest who was becoming a thorn in the side of Pope Leo XIII in the late 19th century. This article from Time magazine in 1967, celebrating the triumph of the modernists at Vatican II, describes this period of church history this way, quote, Modernism flowered at a time when Catholicism seemed to be a backwater of intellectual history, and the Pope was the intransigent prisoner of the Vatican. By far the most famous modernist was Abbe Alfred Loisy, a Frenchman whose book The Gospel and the Church, 1902, used the critical tools of modern scriptural scholarship just to justify the dogmatic development from primitive Christianity to the complex Catholicism of his time. In so doing, he conceded that the doctrines of the 20th century church were different from the simple faith of Jesus' first disciples, a judgment that Rome denounced as heretical. In his 1907 encyclical Pascendi, Pius X issued a formal condemnation of modernism as the compendium of all heresies, making several allusions to Loisy's work. One year later, Loisy was excommunicated. End quote. What was described there was something called biblical criticism, which is a theological school of thought condemned forcefully by the Vatican, first by Leo XIII, then by Pius X, and finally by Pius XII. Everyone should be familiar with biblical critical studies because it is now mainstream in the Church, and it goes hand in hand with the other crime of Father Alfred Loisy subjecting Catholic dogma to the scientific test, and not just the scientific test, the worst kind of scientific test, which is social science, which isn't even a science anyway. Father Loisy believed that the truths of the faith should be reinterpreted through the lens of the science, and that the faith should be subjected itself to science. I'll get to that a little bit at the end, but to better understand how that works, we need to discuss biblical criticism, because it's sort of the key here. And since we don't need a textbook, college-level, seminary-level definition of biblical criticism, since my intended audience are just regular Catholics like myself, what we have here is a definition from Oxford Bibliographies. And I'm using this one because biblical criticism comes 
from the Reformation, basically, or it's one of the fruits of the Reformation. We'll get I can get into that more in the future if people want. For now, according to Oxford Bibliographies, biblical criticism can be defined as, quote, it is the, the term biblical criticism refers to the process of establishing the plain meaning of biblical texts and of assessing their historical accuracy. Biblical criticism is also known as higher criticism, as opposed to lower textual criticism, historical criticism, and the historical critical method. The word criticism need not be interpreted negatively, as if the task were mainly criticizing the Bible or pointing out its errors. Rather, criticism indicates the use of the effort at using scientific criteria, historical and literary, and human reason to understand and explain as objectively as possible the meaning intended by the biblical writers. End quote. In other words, this is using secular means and secular definitions and secular methods for explaining the true meaning of the Bible, as opposed to the magisterial authority of the church. What could possibly go wrong by bringing this into Catholicism? The effect is simple. The miracles of Christ are written off, or at best represented, as materialistic miracles. The best example I can give you of this one in our time is something we've all heard to the point where it's almost become a joke online. It's when we hear someone say that Christ's miracles of the bread and fishes was not that the bread and fish were multiplied miraculously right in front of thousands of people, but rather it was a miracle of sharing. That by sharing his own food, everyone managed to share their limited food and feed thousands of people. We've all heard people say that. Biblical criticism attempts to, in its own mind, find the truth of the authorship of the Bible, and in so doing discredits it using the values of the world as its guide. Sacred scripture is no longer inerrant by the standard. Loisy termed his work a search for the Jesus of history, which was to be distinguished from the Christ of faith. This thinking, which can be seen virtually everywhere, claims that the Christ of sacred scripture was not the Jesus of history, that the real Christ of history was something else altogether, and that we must distinguish the Christ of history from the Christ of faith. It's a ludicrous idea on the surface, and it has a rather striking effect. It relativizes the faith instantly, since this mythological Christ of history that they invented out of thin air can't be proven to exist. Instantly, the authority of the Catholic Church is annihilated with this proposition. But the other claim I want to focus on is this. Subjecting the claims of the faith to the rigors of modern scientific inquiry. To be absolutely clear, this is not the practice the church has of subjecting any new claims about a new miracle happening to a rigorous investigation to see if there's a mundane explanation, but rather the adoption of the claims of science as acceptable to the faith, even if they had been condemned previously, such as the modern practice of taking the claims of Darwin and his successors at more or less face value and trying to make them acceptable to the faithful when previously they had been condemned by the church. Father Alfred Loisy brought biblical criticism into the Catholic Church and became its champion. Prior to his efforts, biblical criticism was something found mostly in liberal Protestant circles. Loisy's influence was enormous, and for his efforts, the Church had his books condemned in 1893. Still, like a good modern Jesuit, he persisted in his heterodoxy and continued to teach his errors despite being told by Rome to cease and was subsequently excommunicated in 1908. He was friends with the English Jesuit who had spread the ideas in English-speaking countries, Father George Tyrell, who I'll probably cover later. And then Father Loisy was excommunicated along with Father Tyrell in 1908 as part of the effort to eliminate the modernists from offices and influence. Despite Pius X's efforts, their ideas persisted and are now mainstream in the church to the point that we have celebrity bishops telling the world that Adam and Eve didn't exist and modern Jesuits telling the world that St. Paul was wrong when he condemned certain immoral activities as sins that cry out to heaven. 
Loisy and his allies in the early 20th century were engaged in work that now sounds familiar. According to an article on Catholic culture by Mr. Russell Shaw, their logic became that very same logic that drove the Second Vatican Council to make the church and faith relevant in the modern world. Quote, In fairness to Loisy, Tyrell, and the rest, it is important to bear in mind that they had an unobjectionable, even commendable aim in mind at first. In 1908's book, Simple Reflections, which was on the Holy Office Decree in the papal encyclical Pascendi, Loisy described himself and the rest of the avowed modernist as a fairly definite group of thinking men united in the common desire to adapt Catholicism to the intellectual, moral, and social needs of today. Had there been no more to it than that, modernism might not have might have been more deserving of praise than condemnation. Unfortunately, there was quite a bit more. End quote. There was indeed. Modernism destroys the authority of the church, uncrowns Christ, and declares him not to be God at all, but a product of history, and that the faith itself is reduced to a sentiment or emotional outburst. That is the effect of modernism, and that is what we fight against every single day, when we hold to the faith and try to correct errors when we see them. If the church taught something for all time, that is what the modernists go after. And by resisting them, the easiest way to resist them is to hold fast to what we have always been taught, to cling to the authority of the actual church, to actual magisterial authority, and to reject the authority of the modernists. Father Loisy was ultimately guilty of attempting to remove the divine origins of the faith from the faith, to rob the church of her history, and to replace it with the standards of social and historical scientific inquiry, which has always sought to deny the veracity of miracles and even the incarnation itself. Thus we find the claim Loisy makes in one of his works that Christ did not found a church, that his instruction inspired Christian faithful to found a church instead. This robs the church of its claim of primacy and exclusive authority. Loisy began his work by doing something that may have been laudable, responding to Protestant inquiry about church authority, by trying to present a new approach to understanding and teaching Catholicism in a way that modern ears would find interesting. But in so do, pursuing that, his goal, he lost his faith and gave birth to the monster of modernism. His most famous student was a man named George Tyrell, another Jesuit priest, who would himself become the teacher of Teilhard de Chardin. Biblical criticism and its links to infusing science into the faith and replacing the faith with a sort of sentimental materialism can be hard to grasp. Let me know in the comments if you understood the basics of this, though. At the heart of biblical criticism is denying the inerrancy of sacred scripture, denying the origins of the Bible as the church always taught it, denying the authority of the church, and instead turning the faith into something sentimental and universal. Let me know what you thought of this in the comments, please. And as always, pray for the church. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.